Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Clark, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin, who is eating uh, snow peas. Is that uh, is that what we hear crunching in the background, Big R? Um, snap peas. Snap peas. Snap peas. But I like I like the way snow peas. I, I I like that rendering of it. I think that sounds better. That's sounds, that's, that's much closer to Christmas. It is. It's it sounds Christmas it sounds day. more romantic. Yeah. So so let's go back to your original thought. I, I'm eating snow peas. Dude, and you lead nothing if not a life of romance and intrigue there in uh, in Ashland, Ohio. So, are you in Ashland today? Are, are we uh, jumping the gun and assuming that? Yeah, no, I'm in A town. I'm in. Wow, I'm, man, I am indeed in A town. Absolutely, A town, USA. A town in June, baby. It's a. It's just oh, a it's like Fourth of July all year round, starting in June yeah, through absolutely. August. Here, that's what it is. So, but yeah, basically Memorial Day through through. Like the end of July is just one big flag waving parade in Ashland, right? Oh, seriously, pipe. I mean, it is it is like baseballs and apple pie are just raining from the sky right now. See that part sounds it's, great. It's the flag waving parade part. I'm not quite so crazy about. Well, they're yeah, they're they're raining down on the flag waving parades. Is is what it is. Baseballs <laughs> and apple pie. Yeah. Just just picturing baseballs like <laughs> knocking small children out of their strollers or yeah, something. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's literally how it is. That's like the most accurate picture of a town you can possibly come up with. Maybe it's Rockwellian, is what it is. Yeah, I wish, I wish Norman Rockwell were still around to paint you in a town in the summer. Oh, can you imagine what those paintings would would fetch on the open market? Unbelievable on the open market. I know you're a businessman. I mean, we're we're on the same page there. Speaking of Piper, speaking of works of art, original works of art. Um, what's the me on a horse situation? Has there been any traction in that regard? So uh, we on social at, media as of today we have uh, we have one uh, photoshopped Ted's head onto Vladimir Putin riding a horse, <laughs> which is amusing if not artistic. Is it shirtless uh, Vladimir Putin? I hope yes, the shirtless oh, one. Amazing. Um, amazing. And so so that looks uh, that looks delightful. And then we have a promise. From at least one Twitter follower to uh, to draw you on a horse. So I, honestly, I can't recall the origin of Ted on a horse. Was like, where was this born out of? I remember us having a conversation, but I have no recollection of. So how I, I remember this. Happened. We taped an episode like ten years ago that finally uh, that finally aired on Monday. And, uh, right. This is what happens when I leave the country. I drop the ball on everything. So my bad. Well, yeah. Right. And Ron and I aren't capable enough of even remotely picking up the ball. So part of that is on us. But uh, but yeah, we talked about it a, a super long time ago. And then um, it appeared in the episode that just aired. So, OK, um, that's the origin of that. But I, I like this motif of people drawing us. This is a lot of fun. I think we're uh, we're really getting somewhere as a as a program. Uh, as long as we're doing that. But we also have to do some business, Pipe. And uh, you have a sponsor to lay on us, and I would like for you to do that right now. Absolutely. So this is a this is a, a long-time sponsor. It is the Adele's Burgers again. So Renee, who is a Bible teacher specifically for younger women, uh, high school, middle school, even up into college age, uh, she blogs at pedestriangod.com. But she has started what what they call a flash briefing. So that's for Alexa. That's the, you know, you talk to it and it it records all your conversations. It knows all your movements. Big Brother is watching. But it can also feed you a daily devotional from Renee so that in the midst of your busy life, getting kids off to school, or in this case, probably wrangling them at home while they're miserable around one another all summer long, um, you can have a daily devotional piped in. So that you can do that in the midst of everything else you have going on. Or you can listen to it through all of Amazon's apps. So you can do it in your car or while you're running or walking or exercising or in Ronnie's case, you know, sitting and staring at a minimalistic room. So daily <laughs> devotional aimed specifically at women from Renee Adelsberger. If you go to pedestriangod.com, you'll see flash briefing right at the top. You can click that and it gives all the instructions of how to access it. If you're sort of new to the world of Alexa and uh, and then my guess is there will be ads for this thing showing up like in your emails and on every sidebar of every website you go to because that's how these things work. So you won't be able to escape it, nor will you want to. Oh, pipe. That's gold. 
That's uh, that's a good read right there. And uh, boys, I gotta tell you, I don't have an Alexa, so um, I'm I'm a newcomer to how these things work. But if you were to say to Alexa, Alexa, play the Happy Rant podcast, would that like would that work? Would that be a thing? Like, are we uh, on there? That's a good question. I'd have to go figure that out. I can it could find it. Uh, you know, like searching different things, but I don't know that we're in their feed. Now I have something to do, and I feel like maybe I'm letting the listeners down again. So, well, listeners, no, I mean, my, yeah. my apologies. I will follow Renee Adele's Burger's example and figure out if we can get ourselves on Alexa. But does anybody really have Alexa? Because I've currently never met anybody that's had it. So, here's the thing you don't need the device. Like, I use Amazon Prime Music. So, that's, you know, people who have you know, Spotify and Pandora and whatever else. I use Prime Music because I kind of do everything in Amazon Prime. And Alexa is their, it's like their voice-activated search in that. So I can tap that and say, you know, play Oscar Peterson or play Joy Electric or whatever, and uh, and it'll do it. So it's it's a service, not just a device. Do you have it open on your computer right there, Pipe, in front of you? I can open it. Dude, let's try it. Let's do a little experiment right here on the program. Let's uh, let's tell Alexa to play uh, the Happy Ramp podcast and see what happens. You know what? Let me see here. I don't know if it'll work. Let me, let me pull it up. Let me pull up the app on my phone. All right. And da, da, da. give me a minute. iPhone That's 7's okay. not quite as fast. All right. Alexa, play Happy Ramp podcast. Programming happy rant. <laughs> oh, that's Alexa. What good are you? Gosh, I mean that Rachel the Held Evans. Alexa, you are yeah, useless. I give up. Alexa the Held Evans. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alexa, geez. I'm very disappointed in you. I'm sorry to hear that. You can always share your feedback through the help and feedback section of the Alexa app. She doesn't okay, sound well, very sorry at, at all. No. There was no, there was no like emotion in the voice that yeah, sounded I didn't, sorry. Yeah, pathos. It lacks pathos. I, I, I lack the sorrow in her voice. You know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel the customer service in that. I felt very disregarded. I didn't. I did as well. But uh, boys, we are nothing if not radio professionals, and we regard our audience uh, very highly. So. Uh, big thanks to everybody who listens. Big thanks to those who uh, go to LagarsRoasters.com and order Happy Rant Signature Blend coffee week after week, as I know you do. And, uh, boys, we have some uh, pressing topics to get into uh, today on the program. And uh, these these all came from our resident man of the cloth who, um, just because of the quality of these topics, I feel that he is refreshed. <laughs> and we're, we're, looking, we're looking at a new Ronnie. This is Summer Ronnie. And... Um, I'm I'm excited to get into this with him, and I'm going to go a little bit, yeah, <laughs> Srani, That's right. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off uh, off script in that I'm not going to go in the order that Ron sent these topics. But uh, there's one that I thought was super intriguing, and it is this: uh, design your perfect worship service. So the three of us are uh, are church members or men of the cloth, and um, we have sat through a lot of church services in our lives, boys. And um, I thought this was intriguing. So, uh, Big R, since you are the resident man of the cloth and you ostensibly get to design your perfect worship service um, every Sunday um, there at Substance Ashland. And by every Sunday, I mean the four Sundays that you are in <laughs> Ashland. Um, what, is, what does that look like? What is, what is your perfect worship service? Dude, you know what's crazy? Like right after I came up with that question, I literally thought exactly what you just said, which is technically I, I should be doing the services I want to do since I'm the one in charge of doing them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, I, I really am doing what I want to do. But you know what I thought would make it just a little bit better? Um, yeah. And it's kind of what we did in the very beginning when we were, you know, 30 people. You know, basically the first week you were there, Big T – um, oh, yeah. Which was my, my ideal service is kind of what we're doing but without any amplification. Like I love it oh. when we don't have to have like any sound system or anything like hooked up. Like I love that. Like, when now, I, why is that, baby? Why the, why the affinity for no sound system? I mean I, I get it. It kind of makes sense but I want to hear you explain it. Because I kind of love – I love not being uh, – I, I love not being sort of uh, you know kind of subservient to technology on that level. And there's like an energy sure. – when you have to like really like kind of scream it out a little bit, when you gotta like, when you gotta just really let let like let the vocal cords do the work, whether it's like singing or speaking, 
And I, and I sure. love being, I love being in those kind of scenarios because I feel like it brings about this energy that isn't when you have to mic everything up and there's just something kind of raw about it. And it kind of brings you back to the old school days when those dudes didn't have any amplification. And mm. I dig that. I just think there's something like real about that. Dude, I, I like that. No, I think that's especially true for the music because if you're if you're relying on you know electric instruments and a sound system, you can sort of artificially amp up the volume, which is like faking. It's faking the energy essentially. Yeah. So you just you yeah. turn up the speakers and people sing louder, but they're not actually more. Uh, I don't know, more passionate about it. Whereas if everything is acoustic it sort of rises and falls on how invested people are in participating. Yeah. I mean, amplification, you just said it, pipe amplification is fake. So dude, if you're a church out there with amplification, you're almost doing like a faux worship service. You're faking it. Yeah. You're totally faking it. I mean, why, why don't we hear what's really in the depths of does, your heart and don't Mark, amplify Does Mark Dever have speakers at his church? Cause if so, I feel like that's a bit hypocritical. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's hypocritical. I would say it's not very Baptistic of him at all. To be quite honest. Does he have the voice, though, to, to carry it off without the amplification? The problem is he does not. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. That's a, that's a shot, controversy. That's a hot take. Fired. Yeah, I'm literally I'm texting my, my, uh, my guy right now and saying just rip out all the sound stuff. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. Well, I'm done. you should sell it because there's probably money to be gained in that. Yeah, if we had a nice system, yeah, there would be. But I really, for the, for the you know, $94 we'd get for ours, I'll, I'll just I'll leave it. I'll leave it. There you go. Piper, what about you? What about uh, the perfect uh, worship service for you? Hmm. Man, that's a good question. I feel like I've been in the same kinds of churches. Like every church service that I've ever been to more or less is exactly the same. You know, it's because, you know, you go in and there's a song. Mm hmm. And then depending on the, you know, the denomination or how theologically heavy they are, there's either like. 35 minutes of prayer or like 35 minutes of announcements. Sure. Um, and then, and then there's more songs, usually a set of, you know, two to four songs. Yep. And then there's, you know, a reading of a text and a sermon, which varies from like 25 minutes in length to 55 minutes in length, depending on if you're, you know, what kind of church you are. And then there's usually like a song Mm -hmm. and sometime somewhere in there, maybe they do a greeting time, which is the worst. Sure. Uh, and then everybody is dismissed, and so it's like it's like uh, it's like a cooking show where you get three ingredients and you can only reorder them so many ways. Well, Pipe, and, you're you telling know, you us what it. is, man. Tell, yeah, man, just mix it up, man. Give us. Well, no, what I'm what I'm saying is it's it's I'm having a hard time imagining a church service with other ingredients or or a a greater quantity of one and not the other. What do you I'll, wish was okay? Here's a question, Pipe. What do you? What do you wish there was less of every time you're at any church? No announcements. No church service needs announcements. Well, dude, there you go. You're in. Just say that you're already designing it right now. Look at him. He's designing it. I feel well coached. Thank you. Ronnie, he's a designer. That's what I'm saying. He's He's designing. He's a worship designer now. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, I think anything announcements-wise can just go. If somebody is invested in the church – you, there are so many digital ways to communicate about what is happening, you know, that, that you can push those out there. If you think the church service is the best place to do that, nobody's paying attention anyway. So uh, that's that's a waste of time. Also, not very corporate worshipy. Um, I think I think I would uh, I think I would try to do things that are more corporate. I feel like most worship services revolve around something happening up front and other people watching. And even like corporate singing, it still has a a bit of a concert feel because of like there's upfront and there's seats. So I don't know whether it's I don't know whether it's breaking it up to like pray with people around you or um, yeah. something along those lines, yeah, which man. which is potentially really awkward. But that's okay. Um, I think that I think that would be good. Pipe, do you wish just, do you wish they would just get rid of like would, would a ideal service for you just be getting rid of the music altogether? No, I like I like uh, music as long as it's as long as it's worshipful music and not like concert showy music. Okay, um, you know, so that depends on how it's played and how it's led. Like the the church that I'm at now, I think the worship leaders do a really good job because it doesn't seem at all like they are trying to be anything. They're they're more they're creating an opportunity for you to sing along with them, which totally. I think is great. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I don't want to get rid of the music. I just, I think that there, 
I think church service has become almost too too crafted and too performance and not enough about the people who are in attendance. Yeah, for real. I'm totally with you, man. Totally. And no sermons need to be longer than 35 minutes. Totally with you on that, Ooh, except for when I preach. Take. Except for when Ronnie preaches for 48 minutes. Because, I mean, because I'm the only guy that can pull that off. I mean, let's, I mean, I think we've come to that conclusion. <laughs> you, you, you share that very uh, individual opinion with every other reform pastor. I'm the only guy that can pull off a 50-minute sermon, which is why I preach for 34 minutes every week. Piper, do you feel like reform pastors, top to bottom, have to be the most, like, confident group of people in the world? Because they, they've looked at, like decades worth of communication theory and research which says that like people have like a four minute attention span <laughs> and they're and like not my congregation they're not like no, I, can I can do this i'm the one i'm special that's right yeah but baby I doesn't that just point to the fact that in actuality they're all the most insecure dudes like ever dude i don't know i don't know if it's insecurity or if it's like whatever myers-briggs type is just this sort of irrationally confident one you know what i mean See, the one that's so sort of self-assured that my my apologies ron but uh reformed pastors are the swaggy p of preachers <laughs> they're the nick young of preachers meaning they're not they, they just they they confident they they are just perpetually confident that they are the best even if all data says otherwise that's fascinating. It is fascinating. That is, that is fascinating, but it's so true. Pipe. We got to do a future topic on that and talk about who we think are the most, just the most like confident. And I know on one hand you're going to say, well, that would be all of them, but like who are the most like confident like reform preachers like out there? Dude, and, and follow up question Is the confidence in like this is a real thing? Is the confidence off putting at all? Because I, I, as I sit here, I can honestly say like our guy. Like, my guy now doesn't strike me as that personality type. Like, he's just got a humble spirit. And he, he will go, you know, he'll go 40, 45 minutes, but I don't, I don't mind it. And I, in fact, I really like it. But I think I like it because it's not just, like, oozing with confidence. You know what I mean? That's because you have a relationship um, with the guy, right? So, like, if you – I do have a relationship. He's a friend. Yeah, he's so like, when they become a friend, then you're able to go, hey, you go 40, I'm cool. You know, Dude, but here, here's the thing, though. I've been friends with guys who have gone 40, 45, 50, who I wish they would go 30. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though yeah. we're still even though I we're think friends. A, I think a lot of the guys do it, especially if they're on the you know, they're not like the 60 plus crowd. They're like the 45 and under crowd. And they they do it because that's like that's what they've seen like that. All preachers are imitators. They're all yeah. copying someone else unless right. they're old. Um, and so, and so they're all just copying all of the people who came before them and nobody's ever like given them express permission to go, you know what? You can say a lot of things about the Bible in less than 35 minutes. So who, who, and I have a question and a comment that involves your dad pipe who started going along first, because from time to time, I'll listen to John Piper sermons or Tim Keller sermons from like the late nineties. They were going 30 minutes. They were going 25, 30 minutes tops. Like, when did the paradigm shift happen of, like, who was the first guy to go, you know what, I can go fit? Yeah, but Big T, are you talking about, because I think what's screwing up all these new dudes is that they listen to conference messages, which are allowed to go an hour instead of, like, a, yeah. a regular, like, sermon, which, you know, should hit, like, 30, 35, right? Yeah, like, the, yeah. the uh, at, at Together for the Gospel or the Gospel Coalition, those, those keynotes are, like, 50 to 60 minutes long. Yeah, they're oh, crazy. Grief. Yeah, they're crazy. Dude, you couldn't pay me to sit in those rooms. Well, we, just sounds like we could probably. I, mean, I do get pay paid, and I don't get sit in those rooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't go sit in those rooms. Baby, if I gave you a few bucks, we could probably convince you to come on it. Yeah how how many how many dollars would it take to get me to sit through all the talks at a conference? Gosh, I don't know. What Dude, would it take, man? What would it take to get you into one of those things? I don't think I've ever sat through all the talks at any conference. I haven't either. Um, never. Yeah, I would never I, sit through it, all the talks. Dude, I'm looking at at least a couple hundred bucks. All right. You know? All right. See, couple, con couple. conferences conferences are like taking the worst things about a Sunday morning worship service and combining and, them in one place. And just like pumping them full of steroids. They're like, yeah. okay, the sermon's running a little long. We're going to double it. The music yeah. is a little showy. Guess what? Fog, big screens, and, you know. We're doubling and, down on the show. Yeah, just, and then we're going to sing 40 songs. And, and uh, oh, this is not a very corporate event. Guess what? Now we're in an arena where you can't even see anybody. 
It's just like mm-hmm. it takes everything that is not awesome about a Sunday morning service and just magnifies it. And then and then they call it a life changing. Maybe that's why you're so angry, man. But I mean, do you think that's why? Um, is that why? I'm not angry. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you think that's why younger guys, though, like these dudes, just they're like, dude, I can go 55 because I just saw David Platt go 55 at T4G, not understanding. Well, yeah, and that they've never had yeah. they've never had a 60 year old guy go. Uh, you're just not very good. Get good before you go long. Piper, let me ask you a question about these conferences. And maybe I should be asking Big R as our, as our resident no, conference man. Pipe's probably at more um, of these things than I am. You, yeah, you guys know. You guys, you guys both know. What's the, what's the eating situation at these conferences? And what I mean by that is if I'm forced to sit there for two hours through like 45 minutes of quote-unquote worship followed by an hour and 15 of a guy bloviating, like am I allowed to unwrap a sandwich and eat it? Or like can I do a protein bar? Are there snacks available? Like what's the – what does that look like? Because obviously I can't walk into church on a Sunday morning with a sandwich. Well, um, Ronnie carries my boxes of raisins around. You can at our church. Covered. You can do whatever you want at our church. We roll like that. So, Dude, you can do whatever you want or people do? Like, has there ever been a duty to sandwich at your church? I mean, I don't know. But, like, certainly it wouldn't be shocking if somebody was, like, eating something because we have all kinds of food. So it's just – it's cool. Interesting. See, I, I love that as part of a corporate worship service where, you know, you have like coffee set up around the edges or something. It's yeah. so like people can get up and get a refill mid 40 minute sermon. They're like, you know what? I'm not making it to point seven if I don't go get some caffeine right yeah, now. Yeah, we have all that, right? You oh, do and that. donuts. Absolutely. Look at that. You guys should live in A-Town. Dude. You know, you'd have apple pie every every Sunday. You'd have apple pie. You'd have a, have your choice of a new Chevrolet brochure and uh, something baseball oriented. And you'd be able to do whatever you want, you know? Judas Priest. So I think I think my ideal church service it wouldn't be all that different from the one that the one that we have now the one uh, the one that I experience every Sunday morning. Except so ours is long, okay. Reformed Church. Um, I would cut I would cut the worship in half. Um, I would just I would just do half the songs because here's the thing, man. Um, being that these are Baptists, if a song has seventy two verses, they're doing all of them. Right, they're doing all of them. They're doing them all a little bit shoegazy, a little, a little bit, you know, down tempo. Um, so I, I would cut that by half. It, it's good though. It, it's good, and I enjoy it. I just, I would enjoy half of it. Um, and however, though, it's we're not call it do too that, much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. So we take communion at every church service, which I also really like. I think that's a great thing. Now, if we're going to stay at two hours, I suggest moving communion to the middle. And instead of a wafer, serve a cliff bar. Um, so a cliff bar standing in for or, the or wafer. Like, or like a whole dinner roll. A whole dinner roll. And really a cliff bar, though, because you need the protein to get through that second hour. So I'm, I'm saying move it to the middle. Cliff bar and a red Gatorade. All right. So uh, it's still the right color. So you get the red Gatorade. You get the cliff bar. And now you've got the protein and the carbs and the electrolytes to get you through the second hour of the service. I feel like that would really, that would serve me um, as a, as a congregant, but. And as a plus, I think, I think that's all gluten free too. It, it might be. We'd have to check the labels, you know, that, that would get dicey. We have, you know, we, that would we really, should have gluten free options. Of course. I mean, what if you got people not doing sugar. So that yeah. would, that would negate the Gatorade. You got people well, if, probably. Yeah. If you need, if you need gluten free, you can go to like a Lara bar where it's all just like fruit. And Absolutely. Nuts anyway. I mean, this is not the two thousands yeah. anymore. We have we have gluten free. Yeah, options. this is not. Yeah, we're not cavemen. Yes, that's exactly. right. Wait, what are we animals exactly. eating? Exactly. What bars are we beasts? Gluten in them. I mean, <laughs> my goodness, gluten and aspartame. We're just yeah, killing ourselves. Literally. Uh, yeah. So you know what? I, I love my church, man. There's not a whole lot I would change. Maybe just maybe just uh, cut cut down on the first. Maybe hour just those but eleven I, things you mentioned. Other than that, man, you keep yeah, it just, just, No, uh, you know what? I love it. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even cut down the sermon like the sermon to me is the fillet of the experience you know what i mean um it's the fillet and, and there are times when i would just like to get to the fillet a little bit a little bit quicker so i have a little bit more in the tank for it you know what i mean um but other than that i'm i'm, I'm totally I'm with good. you on that big t i appreciate the honesty yeah. man I'm, I'm with you on that i struggle yeah, you, i'm a guy who struggles with worship i always have i did it for years i struggled with it even when i was doing it maybe even more um yeah, yeah i'm totally with you man Dude, I'll tell you, vis-a-vis worship, though, all kidding aside, like, a lot of times when I'm in the room, like, I don't get the magical feeling, you know, like, sometimes I look around and I see people getting the magical feeling and their hands are going up and all that, and that and that's cool, like, that's really great, but I will say this about 
our worship and what's really good about it is that um, I will often like wake up in the morning with those songs in my head, you know, and, and like they'll pop into my head from time to time and it's really good. They're, they're good songs. They're full of good theology. So um, I, mean, I really do. Baby, do you think, that. do you think you don't have that magic feeling pop in because of how long you're at Kate, Katie Wise worship services? Could that it, could be, man. I don't know. Could a little of the magic be lacking because of your experience there? I just think I'm a guy who doesn't get the magic feeling. Like you're just not real magical, man. It's cool. I get it in weird in weird times, though. Like um, I don't know. I, I get the magical feeling every time I watch like Field of Dreams or Friday Night Lights, and and they get to the end, and I'm you know I'm crying and I'm moved, and of course, um, man, because that's a beautiful I don't know, if we soundtrack. Could just watch, that's why. If we could watch the end of Friday Night Lights where Don Billingsley's father comes down from the stands and puts the ring on Don's hand. I mean, if we could if we could just watch that maybe every Sunday morning, that would – like I would be raising my hands at that. Or what about like the end of Field of Dreams when, when he goes, no, Ray, it was you. I like that. I like no, Ray, it was you, but I also like um, having a catch with his dad, with his ghost dad. You know what I mean? Um, well, like no, no, that, that, I mean, that, yeah, it's, it's all part of the thing. But I mean, just imagine, like, at the end of every service, and you hear this: "No, Ray Ortland, it was you." Yeah. And with the music, or, or playing, no, the, like I hear this, I hear no big T. It was, it was you. You know what I mean? Like with they that soundtrack playing, like, man, you'd just be, man, you'd be on the floor. People would think, like, wow, man, big T, that that dude really worships, <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 yeah, he's just conjuring up Field of Dreams for him. Dude, Big T's on the floor at that point, thinking about Iowa, thinking about Field of Dreams, thinking yeah, about just, that wide shot. Thinking about corn. All the cars coming. Slain in the spirit of nostalgia. Yes. Absolutely. Slain in the slain spirit of nostalgia. That's a, hold on, I gotta write that down, that's my next book title. Dude, I honestly think, I think nostalgia is my worship thing. You know what I mean? Um, like, it gets me there every time. Yeah. So, I don't know, there's a lot there, man, we don't have to, we don't have to unpack all that uh but boys we we do have two more topics to unpack and this second one is uh this is funny this struck me as as amusing and piper i want to i want to know if it struck you in the same way the topic is best and worst summer you've ever had um it it just (laughs) struck me as a funny question like what's your favorite color and then what color do you hate the most it's real middle school isn't it it's like it's it's very it's real 13 it's extremely thirteen. Extremely <laughs> this, yeah, this reminded me as like as like a, uh, a you know you you you're a freshman in high school and it's the English teacher is assigning an essay. It's like a five paragraph essay uh, just uh-huh. to gauge who can write complete sentences. Yeah. That's this is that question. Like write it, yeah. write it, write a five paragraph essay about your best summer ever or your worst summer ever. That's right. We're giving you options. Thesis statement, three-body paragraphs, concluding paragraphs. Dude, I love it because I was staring out the window, and it's, like, super sunny and muggy and summer here. And I just – it was literally the first thing that popped in my head was, like, that essay. So let's go – let's truly go, like, high school English class. Let's go five paragraph um, on this. So, Piper, best or worst summer you've ever had? Oh, man. Let's see here. This is the drumming the this is the drumming the pencil on the paper part while I while yeah, I yeah. think. Um, uh, my best summer ever, because the thesis statement statement must re rephrase whatever the topic is. Yeah. Uh, my best summer ever was uh, was the summer of let's call it nineteen ninety four. Um when my family traveled sorry i'm done with this this is boring um it was it was when we used to take family trips to visit uh relatives in georgia and south carolina yes. my dad's writing leave would be uh the first several weeks of that so we would take like 2 months away from home 4 weeks he would be holed up somewhere writing a book and i would be like gallivanting around the woods of georgia with my cousins and then 4 weeks was more like vacation vacation and that's when we would go visit relatives in South Carolina and go to Myrtle Beach and go deep sea fishing and those kinds of things. So it was all, all of our summer vacations were built around either denominational meetings or visiting family. We didn't do like the go to Disney thing. Um, yeah. But it was just, you know, imagine like a 12-year-old boy basically being set loose at 7 a.m. with a fishing pole and being like, you can go fishing, you can go shoot things, you can go climb trees, you can go have pine cone fights with your cousins, you can go build stuff in the woods. Uh, pick off the ticks when you get home. It was just sort of like heaven. Yeah, man. Yeah, it sounds good. Man. That sounds. That good. sounds really good. Yeah. 
Big R, best or worst summer? And I want to, I want to actually hear both from you because <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I could think of like what a worst summer, like I, like oh, 1993, that one was horrible or whatever. Like, do you have a worst summer? Yeah, no. I here's what's crazy. I, I actually do. So I was, I had this girlfriend when I was 16, and yeah. I had just gotten, I, I had not, you know, not that much earlier. Just I'd got my license, and I had a mm-hmm. truck. You know, I had a truck. And, Dude, what uh, kind of truck? What what kind of truck are we? Looking? I had an Let's old I had an old Dodge D fifty like mini truck back when they had like mini Ooh. trucks. Remember mini? Dude, I had a mini truck too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they all My became like medium size and like massively large and just you know yeah, yeah. the big like you know Dodge you know where you can haul an airplane behind you and all that kind of stuff. Like too. obviously Freudian, you yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> totally. yeah, it's just like I park next to these like West Tennessee truck oh. drivers and it's, oh. these things are oh dude huge. it's nutty because you're like looking at these dudes right and they got these trucks and you're going like you could have gotten like four lamborghinis for the cost of like right, you that could truck, fit four man. lamborghinis no into I, the bed of that truck. the last time i was buying a, the last time i was buying a car i i was i was like you know what i'm gonna check out pickup trucks and i was looking at 10 year old pickup trucks with over 200,000 miles they all cost more then I ended up buying like a like high end sports cars. Well, oh, I ended dude, up buying outrageous. A, yeah, totally I ended up buying outrageous. a 2014 Jeep Cherokee for like 15 grand less than a 2008 Chevy Silverado with 230,000 miles on it. It's <laughs> yeah, insane. Dude. Those trucks, it those is massive trucks are crazy. It's like us. it's like stick. You know, starting at 799. <laughs> You're just like, oh, yeah. so I guess I throw a mailbox. I guess I'm not the I guess I'm not the blue collar truck guy like I thought I was. The blue-collar truck guy. Well, at the risk of sounding very judgy, when you see the people driving those, Uh you go, "What? where did you get the money for this? What do you do for a job? That's just what they do. They just work to pay off that truck pipe. I mean, I guess. That is what they do. (laughs) That's their But I mean, it's even – and then you sometimes you strike up a conversation with some of them and you're like, well, your job doesn't require speaking – or probably reading or writing. So I, I'm baffled by the, the the economics of driving big pickup trucks. But they got and their who truck. Them. They got their truck. I mean, Dude, it's hard. It's hard to make the numbers work, pipe. It really, it really is. is. Yeah, yeah, I'm no kidding. Yeah. I, I want to. I'm, I'm intrigued by something though. I want to know if ever in your years driving a pickup truck, Big R, you ever like tried on the blue collar persona even for a minute. Like was this a, was this like a glimmer in your eye persona? Well, dude, I mean, here's the thing. Like my dad was, I mean, I my dad owned like a trucking company, so I it was blue collar. I mean, it was blue collar. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. what we had a fleet of trucks. So sure. I just I just drew, so we had tr- we had big trucks, and then we had little pickup trucks that would do like local deliveries. So I just. I just had like work trucks, like that's what I drove. Uh-huh. So it was totally blue collar. Man, we crazy. were wearing like collars that were blue, literally. Did you have like a little shirt that had a like a little embroidered part that said Ron on it? Well, like, I mean, the- no, we didn't have to do that. That actually came later. That actually came later. Okay. You know, I never. No, by the time by the time we had to do that, I, I didn't have to do that. So it was, you know. Gosh, that would have been that would have been amazing. Oh, it would have been beautiful. Yeah, but here, okay. So all to say, so my my worst summer was when I had my truck. And, um, right before I, so I had my girlfriend, you know, we'd been, we'd been hanging together for a little while. It was, it was, it was looking good. It was looking long-term. And Dude, then, what did a date look like for you back then? Oh my I mean, gosh. It on- was, uh, it was, you know, youth group and Christian concerts and sure, pizza sure. parlors yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. But, yep. um, so, Idyllic. so in May, so in May of that year, literally one week before I got out of school for the summer and it was my last summer cause it was going to be my, it was my junior year. I literally yeah. got my third ticket in a row, and I got my license swiped, and they pulled my oh. truck away from me for the summer. Oh, baby! So there was my there That's was hard. my lady who lived twenty minutes away, and I was truckless. Oh, man! Soon, what, soon to be former lady. Soon to be former lady. I mean, yeah. she stuck. She, she stuck with me through the summer. She stuck it out. And That's uh, a quality my, young lady. Was, right she was there. quality. I mean, I haven't seen her since, but she. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> August rolled around. Got the truck back. Had a few scant weeks left with it before school started again, and that was it, yeah. man. Worst summer ever. Mm, baby, that's a tough one. What rough. about what about the best summer ever? Best summer ever. 
I was probably like pipe. I think, it, you know, I used to race dirt bikes. So it was probably like when mm-hmm. I was 13 and we had all the cousins over and we were riding our dirt bikes and then racing on the weekends. And it was just one of those summers like you can only have when you're that age and you literally it's before you have really any responsibilities in life. But you're old yeah. enough to where you can really enjoy it and remember it is what it was. Baby, that's the kind of summer people write country songs about. I know. You know? I know. That's a, that's a summer that gets idealized. In, right. In if summer. I was like Pipe and I like country music, I probably would have written a few of those songs. But I, you know. Now, the good country artists don't write songs about fun summers. They uh, write songs about misery. Oh. So. Oh. Dude, they would, they would write potentially about, like, both of Ron's summers. You know, like the getting the license revoked and almost losing the lady. That 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 has See, country. Yeah, that too. that's like a good country song. The one about having a great summer. That was that's a bro country fun. song. Yeah, that's like Luke Bryan would write that crap. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is fascinating. Maybe maybe you license some of those experiences. Big I would love to. I mean, I, there's a yeah. there's a book. Cro- is Crossway interested in? <laughs> out, out of the Crossway, I think we're talking country music industry at this point. Right. Call it like suspended summer. And or something like that. Yeah, suspended or use the word systemic in there somewhere. I, I don't know. <laughs> systemic but, if we use the word systemic in there somewhere, I, I probably already have a deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Systemic summer colon. You know how how to think about you know, how to think about summers past present. <laughs> I love how you always go to how to think about. Man, I love that. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, that's you that's know. how you get it reviewed by the Gospel Coalition. That's how you get a crossway book deal. How to think about from the that. guy who's. Who's worked with every Christian publisher except Christian. You know, we need to have – check this out, man. We should do a topic just called how to think about – and we should actually – we should get the we should get the fans kind of like speaking in on this. What would you like us to do? Like come up – send us a bunch of topics on our how to think about topic and then we will tell you how to think about the things that you want us to tell you about how to think Dude, about. Right. Let us make law, man. That's what we're great at. Yeah. I mean we've proven that time and time again on this program. Yeah. That will be a great new – that will be a great new segment for us. How to think about that's a good recurring sag, baby. Yeah. Um, best and worst summer for me, uh, I think. So as an adult, um, a couple of years ago, this was back when we were living in Michigan, we just like threw the kids in the van and decided to take like a 10-day road trip out west. So um, we actually hit uh, we hit Minneapolis. We heard Pipe's dad uh, preach. It was actually, I, I think I've mentioned this on the program before, but it happened to be the Sunday that he was preaching on gay marriage. So we got huh. to explain all of that to our uh, to our impressionable young boys. So so you're welcome. So it was epic. the it was the gift that kept on giving. But uh, no, we got to got to hear got to hear pipes pops, and then we um you know we did probably a very cliched like reformed vacation, and then we hit the Laura Ingalls Wilder homestead in South Dakota. Wow, which was the money, <laughs> dude. I love. Were you, oh, I was home, that. were you homeschooling your kids at the time? Is the real question, dude. I literally I rode a horse at that. I rode a horse. I made rope. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we rode around a little covered wagon. It was incredible. Uh, it was so good. Um, so we did that. Then we went to like the Badlands and like Mount Rushmore and all that stuff. So it was a it was it was pretty great summer trip. And the great thing about it was um, just the open endedness of it. So we uh, we hit Boulder. So we did some Colorado stuff, and um, we just kind of were doing whatever we felt like. So we just went home whenever we felt like it. It was uh, it was good times, man. As a child, um, we didn't really do vacations either, pipe. So um one summer this this would have been the summer between like eighth grade and my freshman year um i found like the only football camp in the midwest that like allowed you to go in full gear um so it was like a week-long fully padded football camp it was at the university of wisconsin so we played in uh camp randall stadium and um i was this little like wet behind the ears eighth grade you know little pipsqueak going up against these you know, gigantic dudes who were like recruits of the University of Wisconsin. It was a blast, though. That wow. was super, super nice. fun. Uh, that was a good summer. Uh, bad summers. Um, man, it was probably this one involves football, too. So it was probably the the summer of my sophomore year of college. Um, I had broken my leg for the second time, um, tried to come back too fast on it at camp and just like figured out that I couldn't run without like massive amounts of pain. So I actually quit. Um, this was in college and that was a, that was a bummer, man. That mm. was a, that was a rough, yeah, yeah, a rough end of the summer, yeah. you know, kind of like starting the school year on that. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah. I think, I think my worst summer was, was, uh, in college as well, but it was like the, the rude awakening that 
that like childhood is being left behind because you know my favorite mm, things growing yeah. up were everything that I mentioned and then once I got into high school it was we always did youth group stuff so it was like short-term missions trips or camping trips or just sort of like high school bumming around with friends stuff so I came back after my freshman year at Wheaton and and tried to like re-enter that world yeah and so for the first time in a year I was living at home again which was not awesome because yeah. I had gotten used to you know doing whatever I wanted at a college dorm um, so that was, that was a challenge. And then, and then just realizing that like, oh, youth group stops when you're, when you graduate from high school for a reason. Yeah. And so all of that stuff. And so I didn't like lose friends or anything, but just realizing like, oh, we've all gone our separate ways, mm, even though yeah. we're all back in the same place. Like none of us, this isn't really home. It's not really our life anymore. Uh, you know, we, we went and led this, this junior high camp and did all the games and activities. And like that part was fun. But it was just, it was just weird. It was a, it was a weird transition, and so that was the last time I ever lived at home. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that was probably the, the only summer I can remember that I would even mark as like a, a bad summer. And it wasn't. Like, that is so nostalgically sad to me. That is so tragic, dude. It is, and, and, and yet so like it's so apt universal. Though. Yeah, totally universal. It I, I feel everybody. like what you described is like every college kid's summer experience, you know, like going home, but having it not really feel like home. And yet like college doesn't exactly feel like home. I actually had one of those. Um, so this would have been, let's see, this would have been the summer, uh, between my sophomore and junior year of college. So I just started dating KK and we were like madly in love. Um, in my mind, I knew we were going to get married, but, but we were kind of doing the long distance thing for the summer. And, um, she had gone, She'd had to go like to Arkansas to stand up in this girl's wedding. So one of her best friends um, getting married. So she went to Arkansas and you know how weddings are, man. I mean, there's always dudes and there's always like, you know, wedding party activities and and various things. And uh, I tried to play it really cool on the front end and just be like, you know, baby, just remember what we have and have a great time. You know, that, that kind of thing. Like all the (laughs) things I knew I was supposed to be saying. So, um, I'm watching Goodfellas one night with my buddy Russell, with my best friend. Uh, we're watching like this. <laughs> that's this, that's the, the perfect movie for an emotionally unstable like 19 year old. Oh, dude, absolutely. I was I was wildly emotionally unstable to begin with, and then on top of that, my lady is like probably partying with other dudes. So watching Goodfellas on VHS because this is the video cassette era, and um, I get a call from my lady in which she tells me about you know some dirtbag in the wedding party who was like didn't even know me but he was like talking junk about me and and kind of hitting on her and and again on the phone I'm playing it very cool well you know it's okay baby I trust you you know all the right things uh, but then I hung up the phone and I put Russell in the truck and I'm just like we're we're going to Arkansas and I'm going to I'm going to stomp this dude right <laughs> so uh, so that was the plan the plan was to drive my like 10 year old piece of crap truck you know thousands of miles it probably wouldn't have made it out of the state um but my, my dad literally, I'll never forget this, had to like stand in the doorway and like keep me from going. And hold me back. Was, hold me back. That was a wise moment from Pops because Pops knew that uh, the truck would not have made it. And uh, I was about to make a bad choice that would that would probably end up with me in Arkansas jail, which is probably like a third world prison. Yeah, I'm not sure Arkansas is where you want to go pick a fight with strangers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Baby, you so didn't have one of those a... brand new Ram Tough Ram trucks, man. You didn't Dude, have Ram 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 Tough eighty thousand dollar, you know, no, put, a, Ted, put a mailbox on it kind of trucks. No. Ted wasn't compensating for anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even if I'd wanted to, I, I couldn't have afforded it. So, no, man, it was at eighty seven GMC. Sierra. So epic. So it was so epic, epic, man. man. You can't get a tan car anymore, but this car was legit taupe. It was like the color of (laughs) Yeah, they're not making taupe pickup trucks anymore, dude, because you're paying eighty K. They do you want something better than Toyota does. Do they they have a taupe pickup? Yes. It's like, you know, so it's the brand new like what is it, Toyota Tundra and then the what the Tacoma is the other one? Let me look it up right now, man. I was walking by a construction site the other day because that's you know, that's like the the gathering of pickup trucks. You know, and everything's like chrome silver and you know fire engine red and there's a car that legit is khaki pants brown it's a a toyota tacoma khaki pants brown and yeah i'm looking at it right now that was the color of my dodge d50 and they literally you're right pipe i'm looking at it right now it looks epic baby your dodge was khaki as well no it was like a darker brown it was like a darker brown but like this is the color of it and i'm like thinking dude i need to drop 80k 
I mean, I dude, you know what I want to drop? I want to drop about two K and buy my exact old '87 GMC Sierra. 2K. I mean, like, what kind of shape do you think that thing's in, baby? I mean, it should cost baby, you a little. Old, bit. It's like it should cost you less it's like than that, years man. Old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it should cost me less than that. It really. 2K, should. you're man, dude. You are you're thinking that thing is just gold, Pony Boy. Dude, 2K, it's loaded. You know, it's loaded. Oh, all right, all right. It's got right. all the bells and whistles that that 1987 could uh, could offer for sure. Uh, boys, we have time for one more quick topic, very quick. Um, and this one is, what kind of ridiculous requests have we gotten in our jobs? And I can tell you that Piper and I are going to have to be very coy and cagey uh, <laughs> as we talk about this topic. And for the life of me, uh, I cannot think of one yet. So uh, I'm going to throw this one to you, Big R, uh, being that it's your topic. And being that, as a man of the cloth, you probably get some crazy uh, requests, I'm guessing. So, uh, what what have some of those been for you? You know, what, dude, I couldn't think of anything from I couldn't think of anything from from ministry. Although there, I know there are a few, but none of them are like none of them are, are outrageous as much as they're probably just a little, you know, a little annoying. You know, for lack of a better word, I, I do remember though that when I was when I was back in back in the music days when I was touring, I, I remember there's this one dude. Maybe I mentioned this before on the show. I don't remember. But you know, so we were we were an electronic band, which means we had a lot of tracks on backing tapes. So we we can't play a song unless we have our backing tapes, right? And yeah. so, which meant like we only had the songs we had. So we we weren't like the band that could take requests, right? We didn't we didn't operate that way, right? We just yeah, yeah. we played our set. So there was right. this one guy standing in the front row, and he kept like he kept screaming out this song, and I could tell he was like really, it was like one of those fans, right? And, it, yeah. and at some point, you know, in between songs, I leaned over and I go, I go, dude, I'm like, man, I go, I know you want to hear that song, but like, we, we don't have it. I go, we just don't have it. And um, so he kept screaming out the song and it's getting towards the end of the set. And again, in between songs, I'm grabbing like a, a drink of water and I lean, I go, dude, I go, we would totally do that song, but we literally like don't have it. I go like, literally, I go look at like our tapes back there. We don't have it. Like, it's impossible <laughs> for us to play that. And I go, dude, with how much you've been yelling it out, we for sure would have done it by now. And literally we start our last song and he, he puts one foot on the stage and he lifts himself up and I'm leaning over with my mic and he just spits in my face. What? Yeah. And um, he just freaks out. And then so that like the, you know, whatever the security guys came and they like hauled him out. It was one of those like scenarios. Wow. And um, so I got all this stuff all over my face and, um, and, and literally like, you know, the song finishes and. You know, the, everybody saw what happened, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, so I kind of explained to the crowd, like what happened, like, you know, you guys know what kind of a band we are, we just can't do anything. And um, so it, it was just really crazy. So that was like, that was, that was a ridiculous, Maybe re- that's unbelievable. it wasn't even a ridiculous request. It's just that I was being so nice to the guy and said, dude, I would love to do it. I can't, it was reasonable. And he just flipped on me, flipped. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Pipe, what, what about you? Well, Shoot, I wish you would have let me go first and we would have like that would have been the finale. I feel just Dude, right now. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like I'm I should be driving a truck to compensate for this. Um Absolutely. I I, I can't think of a, a, a specific outrageous request in terms of just something outlandish, but I will say yeah. there's there's a persistent low-key outrageous request that if you work in Christian publishing, you get over and over and over again. And it is churches asking you to give them stuff. Free books. Oh yeah, yeah. Just cheap evangelicals, like, man. <laughs> cheap evangelicals. Yeah, just like they send it. Hey, we're we're doing this event for moms. Can you donate? Can uh, you give? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, and and you know you the, you want to be generous, but at the same time, you're like, we are a business. This like, yeah. You want it for free because you can't afford it. We can't afford to stay in business if we give it to you for free. But it's just constant. Like the idea that churches have that they should get everything for free because they are a church. I don't know where it came from, but it is constant. Mm. And it, I mean, so like the, the number of times I make people mad on an annual basis by saying, I'm sorry. I mean, we can give you a great discount, but we can't give it to you. And they're like, but we're a ministry. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. I'm good yeah. for you. Um, that, that is the, the sort of persistent. It's like, it's like low key crazy that just won't go away. That is crazy. That is crazy, but it's so common. I oh, mean, it's yeah. so incredibly common. Um, boys, I don't have a, I don't have a crazy job request, but I, I have a bit of breaking news. All right, so we're going to close the program with this. Um, so I'm going to hear my studio. I'm going to dial up the breaking news music. So uh, so hang on, let me let me tap the glass and get the producer. 
Uh, here we go. Breaking news. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I have always, just that always gets me. I love the vibrato. You're talking about how nostalgia is your worship yeah. thing. I think the breaking news music is mine. Dude, breaking news, absolutely. It's a it's a good it's a good little song. And I have just ripped off the wire, you guys. This just came across the fax machine in my studio. Uh, I have a brand new piece of artwork um, from one Megan Tennant. So she is our artist in residence. So if we were a college, if we were a university, which we probably will be pretty soon. Um, I'm thinking we buy some land in, uh, in, in, you know, Kentucky and open a tiny Christian college. Absolutely. Happy Rant University's artist in residence is Megan Tennant, and she has produced um, something, boys, that, that just quite frankly is staggering. Um, in fact, I'm going to be clearing off mantle space uh, above my fireplace at home. This is going in a rich golden frame. Um, I'm going to haul it all to my house in, in the back of my huge f950 silverado (laughs) and um what i'm looking at here gentlemen is a picture of me on a galloping horse okay i'm wearing a three-piece suit a la brad pitt in the movie legends of fall in some sort of like flowing riding jacket um there's a bag slung over my shoulder and it the the bag is so authentic it looks like the the shoulder bag that i carry on a day-to-day basis and there's a football sticking out of the bag. So a little homage to, to my life and my persona as a football person. What's the footwear uh, situation? Or is, are, are the feet buried thoroughly in stirrups so you can't tell? The feet are in stirrups. The feet are in stirrups. I'm looking at, I'm looking at a pair of boots, though, probably a pair of standard riding boots. And what's magical about this, though, is the hair. Um, the, the mane of hair flowing in the wind, the blue glasses. Um, I just look like the happiest, most, most contented horseman um in the in the history of of horsemen the horseman so, yeah the horseman is is what equestrian it's equestrian ted that's a thing i, I don't i equestrian i can ted, only doing, hope to see it i'm doing like dressage i've got one of those little equestrian helmets ted equestrian that's what i want to call you man ted equestrian I, I would i would not argue i would not push back on that at all so uh so megan Tennant, thank you for uh producing that while we were recording the episode so uh, very talented young lady, talented artist, and uh, I will enjoy um, hanging this over my mantle at home. So, boys, we have uh, we have done what we always do on this program. We've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. Uh, a little bit of a nostalgic app, boys, and uh, you know that's right in my wheelhouse. I enjoyed it. So, until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout Scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.